from the WGN Skyline Studio. WGN Radio presents a conversation. I want to make one thing perfectly clear. A dialogue. What are you prepared to do? An astute debate. Everything that's in the law. And a peek behind the curtain of politics. And then what are you prepared to do? I think Chicago is not only the center of the country, I think it's the center of the world. Don't tread on them. Where did this statement come from? This is the Sunday Spin. Your host is the Chicago Tribune's Rick Pearson. Good Sunday evening, everyone. I'm Rick Pearson of the Chicago Tribune. Welcome to this edition of the Sunday Spin for February the 23rd, 2020. This is our look at the world of politics and policy as we take you from City Hall to the State House and all the way on to the White House. So time to take a step back, grab a beverage, and we'll get you prepared for the rest of the week. And, uh, Roger, this was beautiful weekend grilling weather. Oh, yeah. Definitely. I mean, if I still had my garden, I would have been out there weeding and and uh, tilling and uh, getting everything ready for the spring. But then again, you know, Chicago weather, they, they it teases us with this nice warmth, then a sub-zero freeze until the summer. Sure. And then it freezes <laughs> out all of those nice little plants yep. and everything else that you've laid out in the garden. Yeah. Uh, do you grow veggies? No, no, never did. The, the The area that we had available was in the back, and we have some tall buildings around it, so it really didn't get the sun uh. it needed for vegetables. I, I tried originally when I first started the, uh, the garden. I had some, and the squirrels got to them before I could even see if anything was growing. So I, I tried tomatoes, and, oh. and just failure. Really? <laughs> I mean, just failure. <laughs> But then I thought, what about grape tomatoes or well, the, cherry yeah, tomatoes, sure, the little yeah. ones, right? Yeah. How did that work? I, I got five. five. <laughs> For the whole season. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and I was nurturing, you know, I had the water and the got the miracle grow and all of the good stuff. And it was it was it was all wonderful. But uh, yeah, five, five tomatoes. Wow. And did you spread them out for the rest of the year? Exactly. No, I, I, I pass them out as okay. gifts to everybody okay. to show the, show my gardening process, prowess. <laughs> See, I do have green fingers. I can grow something. <laughs> Good. Well, I'm going to send you the, the vegetables then. I'll well, kinda, thank you so much. Maybe mushrooms. You don't have to worry about the sun that way, right? That's true. I never thought. I, I think I can tear up the cement that's there now and grow something. That'd be perfect. <laughs> that's probably the right soil for uh, mushrooms. I too. think so. Anything yeah. under that cement. Yeah, that would uh, be perfect. Well, you know I'm a big hockey fan. Anybody yes. who knows me knows I'm a big hockey mm-hmm. fan, big Blackhawks fan. Um, actually, in the midst of all the craziness of last week, I got to share a cheeseburger with Doc Emmerich, uh, the NBC's national hockey announcer. And unfortunately, I could only spend about 45 minutes with him, and I had to run uh, back to work because of uh, some of the goings-on that day. But... It, it was. It, I had a great time, and we could tell stories for hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, to me, one of the classic stories, and this is part of why I love hockey. And I have a, a very good friend who is a NBA ref, James Capers mm-hmm. from Chicago. Um, and uh, James, you know, hockey isn't his thing, and right. the NBA isn't really my thing. <laughs> um, and we were together at a neighborhood haunt. Uh, one day that's how we met and i'm watching a hockey game and he's actually watching the hockey game there wasn't any basketball on right but he's watching the hockey game to see how the nhl refs kind of do their thing okay continuing education for referees kind of thing nice and i thought you know and he asked me about a couple of the rules and everything Uh uh-huh 
So it was a couple of weeks later, and he, I see him, and he goes, man, you have a crazy sport. <laughs> and, and I said, why is that? He goes, they pull an accountant out of the press box to be an emergency goalie? He goes, how is that professional oh, sports? yeah. And that was Scott Foster. Yeah, you remember I when, remember, sure. When he got called up yeah. uh, to play. And he got the win, didn't he? He, he got, I believe so. Yeah. Um, but... I don't know if you're aware of what happened last night. Oh, yes, I was. I've seen the video. Sure. Um, so you got David Ayers, mm -hmm. who is the emergency backup goalie. He's He's been a practice goalie occasionally for the Maple Leafs and the AHL Toronto Marlies. And, mm -hmm. the, and the thing is, they have to sit there and be prepared to play for either team. Right. So you can't be a fan. You know, you can't of either? No. Right. And sure enough, uh, the Carolina Hurricanes lose both their goalies mm -hmm. and he's he's suited up and now this is like in the second period right so i mean and first two shots he faces mm -hmm. he's a zamboni driver yeah okay? have you seen the video yes oh, well, yes, yes. <laughs> he's a zamboni driver and uh also uh i believe uh he is a uh a liver recipient or uh oh, yeah he's yeah he, he has a transplant yes yeah so i mean all of this stuff yeah and here he is and he's going into an nhl game um playing for quote the other team as mm -hmm. it were and yeah he gives up two goals he gives up two goals yeah but then he the, the players tell him just go in go have fun don't yeah. worry about how many goals you leave and he's, he he's makes eight saves, oldest goalie uh, to win a debut yeah. in NHL history. He wins. David Ayers. Amazing. This is why I love hockey. This is why James Capers actually loves hockey. There Stories you go. like You converted. This. Yeah. This is the Sunday Spin on WGN. This is the Sunday Spin on 720 WGN. Once again, here's Rick Pearson of the Chicago Tribune. Welcome back to your Sunday Spin. I'm Rick Pearson of the Chicago Tribune. As I said, it was quite a week last week, and we'll uh, get to some of that news, including uh, after Roger takes a spin through the headlines at the bottom of the hour, we'll have a discussion with Illinois House Republican leader Jim Durkin of Western Springs. We'll talk to him about uh, Democratic Governor J.B. Pritzker's proposed budget, as well as uh, whether there are any uh, after effects of uh, Republican President Donald Trump releasing Democratic Governor, imprisoned Democratic Governor Rod Blagojevich. We'll talk to him up ahead. Right now, though, time to take a spin through the week in politics. And then we start with the uh, results of the Nevada caucuses. Uh, Bernie Sanders far and away uh, winning the majority there, the majority of delegates. Now, granted, we're still only through three states in this lengthy slog, and we have Super Tuesday uh, still up ahead on March 3rd. We've got South Carolina that's a week away. So uh, is it too early to start saying that uh, Sanders is the presumptive favorite? I think so. Is it too early to say that he's the front runner right now? Well, yes, he is. And in fact, uh, the winner in Nevada, he's uh, doing an interview on 60 Minutes tonight, uh, speaking with Anderson Cooper. And in the interview, Sanders said he would use military force to defend the U.S. and allies if necessary. Just on foreign policy, um, you said you believe in diplomacy. You're concerned Donald Trump is, is going to get us into an unnecessary war. Are there situations where you believe military action no, is absolutely. absolutely, of course I do. 
you know, hopefully as, as rare as possible. But, yeah, we have a, the best military in the world. What would your criteria be for military action? Do you well, threats against the American people, to be sure. Uh, threats against our allies, I believe, in NATO. Uh, I believe that the United States, everything being equal, should be <clears throat> working with other countries in alliance, not doing it alone. If China took military action against Taiwan, is that something you would... That's something good, yeah. I mean, I think we have got to make it clear to countries around the world that we will not sit by and allow uh, invasions to take place, absolutely. Would you meet with Kim Jong-un? Yeah. I mean, I've criticized Trump for everything under the world, uh, under the sun. But meeting with people who are antagonistic is, is to me, not a bad thing to do. I think, unfortunately, Trump went into that meeting unprepared. I think it was a photo opportunity uh, and did not have the kind of the diplomatic work necessary to make it a success. Now, that's Bernie Sanders speaking uh, on CBS 60 Minutes tonight to Anderson Cooper. Former South Bend Mayor Pete Buttigieg has finished up there in the delegate count. They're still counting votes in Nevada. Um, and he's uh, basically second as far as delegates at this early stage. But it's very clear from his recent statements, including greeting supporters after Nevada, that Buttigieg believes that Sanders is the target. I believe we need to defeat Donald Trump and turn the page on this era in our politics by establishing a tone of belonging, bringing an end to the viciousness and the bullying that is tearing apart our country. We must change what it feels like to live in the United States of America. And that is a real difference from Senator Sanders' revolution with the tenor of combat and division and polarization leading to a future where whoever wins the day, nothing changes the toxic tone of our politics. I believe the only way to truly deliver any of the progressive changes that we care about is to be a nominee who actually gives a damn about the effect you are having from the top of the ticket on those critical frontline House and Senate Democrats that we need to win. That's former South Bend Mayor Pete Buttigieg. So now the contests move on to South Carolina, which votes on Saturday. We'll see how that goes. Uh, we have former Vice President Joe Biden uh, still looking for a victory. And South Carolina ostensibly has been what he considered his firewall, given uh, his support among African Americans and his belief that he would succeed there. But polls in South Carolina show that support among African Americans is dwindling. So uh, that could be possibly the make or break for Joe Biden's campaign. Also last week, we had uh, Donald Trump uh, expressing concern about Roger Stone. Stone was his longtime friend and ally who was sentenced to three years and four months in federal prison on Thursday for lying to Congress and witness tampering. Now, people considered Trump's actions granting a commutation to uh, disgraced Illinois Governor Rod Blagojevich and others as setting the scene for a Trump pardon of Stone. Trump hasn't gone that far yet, but he does say he thinks Stone will be exonerated. Roger Stone, Roger Stone, he's become a big part of the news over the last little while, and I'm following this very closely, and I want to see it play out to its fullest, because Roger has a very 
good chance of exoneration, in my opinion. I've known, and you people understand it probably better than anybody in the room. I've known Roger Stone and his wife, who's really a terrific woman, for a long time. And Roger's definitely a character. Everybody sort of knows Roger. Everybody knows him. And most people like him. Some people probably don't. But I do, and I always have. Uh, he's a smart guy. He's a little different. But those are sometimes the most interesting. But he's a good person. His family is fantastic. He's got a fantastic family. And there's always a reason for that, isn't there? Roger was never involved in the Trump campaign for president. He wasn't involved. I think early on, long before I announced, he may have done a little consulting work or something. But he was not involved when I ran for president. And he's a person who, again, he knows a lot of people having to do with politics. His whole life is politics. That's what he is. Uh, he's an interesting character, as the president would say. And uh, now he's uh, lost a bid, uh, an immediate bid for a retrial. Uh, his trial judge saying, uh, no, uh, that's not going to happen because of his complaints against her. Now, prior to the Nevada caucuses, the Democratic candidates held their debate. But Trump went to Phoenix, Arizona, and he offered his own critique of the Democratic debate and, of course, served up a, a healthy serving of criticism to the media. Sleepy Joe Biden the other day had 68 people. And now they have a new member of the crew, Mini Mike. Mini Mike. No boxes. We call them no boxes. And I hear he's getting pounded tonight. You know he's in a debate. I hear they're pounding him. He spent $500 million so far. And I think he has 15 points. It just came out. Hey, fake news. How many points does he have right now? 15? They won't tell you the truth. They won't tell you the truth. MSDNC. MSDNC is worse than CNN. They're owned by a company called Comcast. You can have Comcast, a bunch of phonies, but MSDNC is worse than CNN, and they're all pretty bad. That's uh, President Donald Trump at uh, one of his political rallies in Phoenix. Of course, he mentioned former New York Mayor Michael Bloomberg, who didn't actively compete in Nevada, but of course, he was on the debate stage where he didn't do very well. Still, his ads are airing everywhere, trying to attract African-American support. He's been airing ads featuring him with Barack Obama. That's alienated some Barack Obama's former staffers. Last week, Bloomberg kind of switched things up to point to his philanthropic activities, such as helping the Virgin Islands after a hurricane. Here's the ad. I'm Tim Duncan, born and raised in the Virgin Islands, and I'm supporting Mike Bloomberg for president because of his work in 2017 to help the U.S. Virgin Islands recover after we were hit by two Category 5 hurricanes. There was widespread destruction. Food and water were running low. The people of the islands needed help. Mike and his team, among many others, acted fast to aid in feeding, clothing, and getting people to safety. And in this, Mike Bloomberg showed his true compassion for helping those in need. 
I'm Mike Bloomberg, and I approve this message. So there's you have a Bloomberg ad. Former Vice President Joe Biden also took a swipe at Bloomberg's Obama's Obama ads. Biden ran his own ad, basically questioning Bloomberg's devotion to the Obama presidency. Obamacare. It was President Obama's historic achievement, his legacy to future generations. Donald Trump and even some Democrats want to get rid of him. Joe Biden will never let that happen. It has done too much good, changed too many lives, and provided too many people the peace of mind to do anything but defend it. Maybe others want to destroy Obama's legacy. Joe Biden will build on it. I'm Joe Biden, and I approve this message. So there you have our kind of national setup. And meanwhile, we have Rod Blagojevich back in Chicago. Uh, as I've said before, and, and people said, yes, was, was 14 years a sentence too long? And that's a valid pe- issue for people to question. But I remind people that George Ryan got five and a half years and six and a half years. And uh, Blagojevich came into office pledging to clean up all of the corruption that was left behind by George Ryan. And throughout Blagojevich's uh, tenure as governor, his administration was plagued by federal investigations, things that he didn't even get charged with, things like putting patronage people in state positions ahead of veterans when veterans had a military preference. Sure, there was the sale of the Obama Senate seat, which gets all the headlines, but there's also shaking down a children's hospital for campaign contributions. You know, the first thing he does is go on Fox News and talks, but I'm just hoping that the media will stop being an enabler for this man. You're listening to The Sunday Spin on WGN. Now back to the Tribune's Rick Pearson. It's The Sunday Spin on 720 WGN. Welcome back to your Sunday Spin, our abbreviated Chicago Blackhawks post-game edition of The Sunday Spin. Uh, We'll be speaking ahead with Jim Durkin. He is the Illinois House Republican leader. We'll talk to him about Democratic Governor J.B. Pritzker's proposed budget. But first... We're going to the newsroom where Roger Badish will give us a spin through the headlines. Thank you very much, Rick. Uh, right now, 632, and it's 51 degrees under mostly clear skies right now. Your uh, WGN traffic, uh, we've still got those issues on the CTA red line between the Cermak Chinatown station and Fullerton uh, because of an earlier unauthorized person on the tracks. Uh, they are being rerouted now onto the elevated tracks between Fullerton and the Cermak uh, Cermak Chinatown Station. Uh, vehicle fire right now in the right lane uh, and it's blocking the right lane. Veterans Memorial northbound right before 63rd Street. Got stop and go traffic inbound on the Kennedy between I-190 and Harlem Avenue. Also inbound on the Kennedy between Montrose and the Burn Interchange. 38 minutes coming in from O'Hare to downtown right now. And we still got those delays on the Metro Union Pacific North line between Kenosha and the Ogilvy Transportation Center. Your forecast from the WGN Chicago Weather Center. Rest of the overnight increase clouds, low around 31. Monday, rain likely after about 4 in the afternoon, increasing winds, high near 39. We've got rain changing to snow Monday night, windy, low around 33. 
and the candidates wanting to fill an open seat on the Illinois Supreme Court are expected to participate in a Chicago forum. Chicago Bar Association says six of the seven primary candidates running to replace retired Justice Charles Freeman are expected to attend the Wednesday event. Israel says its warplanes attacked targets of the Palestinian militant Islamic Jihad group south of Damascus, in addition to sites in the Gaza Strip late Sunday night. A Syrian military statement reports an Israeli attack near Damascus International Airport and says its air defenses fired on Israeli rockets coming from the direction of the Israeli-occupied Golan Heights. Sundays might get started a little earlier for some people in two weeks. That's when a new ordinance allowing alcohol to be sold starting at 9 a.m. on Sundays instead of 10 a.m. will go into effect for establishments that also sell food. Earlier start time came about mostly because of the growing community of European soccer fans who go to the bars, uh, the bars rather to watch early morning matches from overseas. A lot of you will enjoy that good news. In WGN Sports, Dallas beating the Hawks 2-1. One Hawks hit the ice in St. Louis on Tuesday. College basketball, Minnesota over your Wildcats, 83-57. And uh, North Iowa, Northern Iowa, rather, over Southern Illinois, 64-52. Temperatures around the area right now, as we mentioned earlier, 51 at O'Hare. Now also in uh, Gary, 50 at Midway, 52 also along the lakefront. I'm Roger Badish on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. Thank you much, Roger, for the update. Appreciate it. And uh, I'm sure there'll be plenty of soccer fans looking forward to those uh, <laughs> new new hours going on. I on think Sunday there's going to be a, a lot of new soccer fans. Uh, time, t- time to start a Bloody Mary business, <laughs> I think. Go. Bloody Mary mix business, don't you think? <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. Well, joining me now on the phone is Illinois House Republican Leader Jim Durkin of Western Springs. And Leader Durkin, thank you so much for joining me this evening. Uh, Rick, it's great to be on in the evening as opposed uh, to the Sunday mornings. <laughs> and uh, I imagine there'll be other fans who are going to be excited about the Billy Goat opening up at 9 a.m. on Sundays. <laughs> yeah, but it's showtime. I got. I can't make it there. I, it, that would have worked out in the old times pretty well. But, I said uh, other fans. Other <laughs> fans of other things. Understood. <laughs> Understood. And yes, I'm sure you appreciate this time slot because you don't have to worry about dodging Chicago Marathon traffic or anything like that. I, I, I recall that day that was a so I was do I. The, uh, the River North area trying to find a parking spot. So uh, anyway, <laughs> no, it's great, great to be on your show and uh, we'll, we'll get in the studio again. Well, we've got uh, we've got a bunch to talk about and, and, and most notably, sure. I think, and, and something I think in some respects because of all of the news of the week was the, 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 the governor's budget message. And yep. Uh, a $42 billion spending plan uh, that's contingent upon uh, voter approval in November of a graduated rate income tax to replace the current constitutionally mandated flat rate tax. And I think, quite frankly, this is the issue uh, when it comes to November. Uh, after we get past the primary, uh, this will be probably one of the biggest battles I think we've ever seen on a basically a referenda question. Uh, Agreed. Republicans are, are uniformly op- opposed to this change, but they also mm-hmm. don't like the fact of how the governor laid out his budget, where he said, if we get this passed, we'll have $1.4 billion in new revenue, more money for schools, more money for municipalities. I, I get the feeling that it, it's it, you're basically saying uh, – 
as Republicans that this is this is kind of a, a, a false choice. Um, I agree. Uh, the governor's budget address was concerning uh, on many levels. Uh, one, um, we don't need any additional revenues in the state. We were able to negotiate a bipartisan balanced budget last May. No one is complaining about services in the state of Illinois. People are actually rather happy. And for the governor to say that, well, I'm going to have to increase spending to justify the graduated tax being adopted is just wrong. We're in a good place right now. We should talk about exercising austerity and uh, being fair with taxpayers. But I think the governor dangling that uh, in the graduated tax in front of uh, Illinois and saying that if you don't pass this, well, if it doesn't pass, I'm going to have to make all these cuts to education and, and health care. And I, 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 I didn't appreciate that tenor. Um, there's a better way of going about this. He will be the governor for the next few more years. But we are in a, a better place than we have been in a long time. We are looking at a uh, uh, we're looking at almost a billion dollars of, of new revenues coming in this year because of the national economy. We're, we just don't need to raise taxes, and I, I just don't understand the the logic of it. So, just, uh, well, I do understand the logic. This is just to fulfill a campaign promise. So, when he says, for example, that. Uh, under the new evidence-based funding formula for schools, which was a historic achievement and, quite frankly, occurred under the previous governor. I, I was there for it. I was part of the negotiation on that, yeah. So when he says that he can't make that, that $350 million payment without the without passage of the graduated rate tax, are you saying it can be made? Yes. We have natural revenue growth in the state's uh, which is going to be able to support that uh, additional investment, which I agree that we are going to meet that. That was the deal that we made two years ago. We're in a place economically in Illinois where we will be able to maintain the services that we currently have, and I believe we will be able to see additional revenues that will be able to meet the evidence-based funding requirement under the statute. This is all a matter of negotiation, Rick. You know, we, we you can take the eraser out. We, we do a lot of that. But the fact is we can get this thing done. Uh, I feel very confident that if we replicate the model that we used last year, allow Republicans at the table, uh, you know, allow our, our budgeteers to, to compromise and work with the Democrats. I mean, that's how you get it done. So, I, 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 I again, I don't accept the premise. I don't accept, I don't accept the math that the governor is using in used in his budget address the other day you say we're in a good place right now of course good being relative to where we have good. been in, in the past then we, I, I, I thank you for clarifying that we're in a we're in a good place we're in a better place than we have been over the last four years but, we don't need to go we we spent a lot of money last year and i know that and some of the, you know, the bond buyer and a few other rating agencies said they're concerned about additional spending on the state budget when the governor's not going to touch pensions either. So we should be doing other things to help the state instead of just saying, you know what, let's spend more so I can fulfill a campaign promise. But when it comes to, we, we still are in a deep hole. We still have 
a, a backlog of seven billion dollars in unpaid bills. Correct. We've got the near hundred and forty billion dollar unfunded pension liability. Correct. Um, and, and the the governor has touched on how, with a graduated rate tax, that there would be he he would put in an extra hundred million above and beyond the required pension payment, and in subsequent years that that number would double. Um, I mean, but, but what's, Rick, what, what's what's really concerning about that? He, the governor, has said, you know, we're going to make our pension payment. For crying out loud, we, the state of Illinois' single largest expense within within a few years will be our public pensions. It'll outseat healthcare and it'll outseat K through twelve. I believe uh, it's, it's I believe wrong. It, I believe it's a twenty percent now and, and projected to get to twenty five percent. Exactly, and I did not hear one word about. Let's pull up. Let's let's roll up our sleeves. Let's see what we can do with our five pension systems. This should not be a state that is known for making pension payments, being being bold with making pension payments. You know, the governor's the one who said, you know, think big. Let's think about big about the pensions and how we're going to be able to fix that that monstrosity that is weighing down Illinois's not only our, our finances and how we budget, but also the way in which we are viewed by the rating agencies. It is a monstrosity. It, it, everybody knows it, um, and and it always is a, a topic ripe for discussion because there are those who believe that a constitutional amendment would be a magic bullet. Uh, I, I'm one of those who, looking at law, but you're an attorney may may see that differently. But I don't I don't see how that happens. But I want to uh, talk to you more about this issue of of pensions. Uh, what can be done, and and will there be an alternative Republican budget? We're speaking with Illinois House Republican leader Jim Durkin. I'm Rick Pearson. This is your Sunday Spin. Now back to the Tribune's Rick Pearson. It's the Sunday Spin on 720 WGN. Welcome back to your Sunday Spin. I'm Rick Pearson of the Chicago Tribune here on the Sunday evening in the WGN Skyline studio. Joined on the phone by Illinois House Republican Leader Jim Durkin of Western Springs. We're talking about last week's uh, proposed budget for the fiscal year uh, that starts July 1st that was offered by Democratic Governor J.B. Pritzker. And um, I I wanted to touch on that pension issue a a bit more. In his budget address, uh, Pritzker said that trying to do a constitutional amendment that would somehow... Uh, rollback pensions uh, would be basically a fantasy. Uh, are you? Do you share that opinion? No, I don't. Um, you know, we're in a dire situation with our public pension pension systems, and to just outright say that you know we can't go to the Constitution or change it because the U.S. Constitution will overrule the state Constitution if it's amended under the Contracts Clause. Uh, we have to do everything within our power to, uh, to 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 fix these, not change, but fix these systems to save the systems for current state employees and also current uh, pensioners for the state. Uh, these systems do have a finite amount of money, and unless they are reformed, there will be the the, the systems will have more liabilities and assets. And then the question is, how do you make your payments? So what I do know is that there needs to be a political will to make something dramatically done with our pension systems, whether it's going to be back to make another run at the current constitutional clause that uh, 
that we, we, we've had trouble with the last time we, we passed a pension bill, or since the governor believes in the referendum process and leaving it to the citizens of Illinois, as he has said, with respect to the tax code, he should be consistent and get behind an effort to change the Constitution for our pensions, which will say that they, that they can be modified. Now, it's, I've heard the whole thing in the story, you know, from the experts over there. You know, well, if we, if we change a constitution, you know, the contracts clause under the U.S. Constitution is going to negate it. But uh, common law contracts allow for modification of contracts. Uh, and there's, a, there's plenty of authority going back hundreds and hundreds of years which speak to the ability for contracts to be modified under certain circumstances. So uh, I don't have all the research in front of me. But I, uh, no, and I, I don't, don't want to I don't want to go too far into the weeds on this, but certainly it, it is a topic that, you know, people need to know about. And, and one of the things in the Illinois Supreme Court decision that overturned the uh, pension changes law that was passed a few years ago they basically one of the arguments in the in the in the contracts clause issue is well if the state is so destitute that you know these pensions are in jeopardy uh you know their modification could be accepted but that was kind of the argument that the illinois supreme court tossed aside in ruling on that last pension issue and that was just the illinois supreme court sure that was five years ago um it doesn't mean that bright minds can't come back with another attempt to uh reform our public pension systems senator cullerton had a good idea a few years ago uh, and i think that we still should consider that a consideration model that he was talking about which he felt very confident that it would be upheld by the Supreme Court. So there are options that we can explore, but to suggest that, you know what, we're just, it's like the governor talking about his budget uh, and his hypothetical revenues that he's, uh, he's putting into the budget and putting into the budget. He's dealing, he's talking about hypothetical scenarios and our pensions. How about dealing with the issue at hand? Let the courts make a decision. Let the people of the state of Illinois make a decision. People in Illinois are waking up to the pension tsunami that has already struck the beachhead. That, are t- that is taking over state of Illinois resources, taking over Illinois taxpayers' investments every April. Do the job. Get the job done. But in this political climate that exists, and given how public employees and public employees' unions are traditional allies of Democrats and we have one-party rule of Springfield, that atmosphere doesn't exist. Well, I don't know. I think the governor should think long and hard about hitching his wagon to the current Democrats who are uh, composed of legislature. Nearly uh, a significant amount of them in, uh, who are being eyed by the U.S. Attorney's Office and the FBI and the IRS for corruption. This governor wants to be the, an independent mind, a person that is above politics. So he can do what I believe is the right thing to do and to tell and be a leader that's what the governors do. They lead. Tell them that we're going to get this done, and this is my plan. And this is a way for us to uh, do our best, the best we can to salvage this system for people who have made their payments into the system that saves their, 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 their pension, that saves their defined benefit, and also that for the current employees. 
So is there a way... I think that... that, that go, I'm sorry, go ahead, Rick. Well, I was going to say, so I want to move back to the budget quickly. Is there a way Republicans can actually engage in negotiations with Democrats on this budget, given yeah. that, that, that... I mean, at, at this time, given how there is that, quote... Well, there's the 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 carrot of uh, of for Democrats of the more money from the uh, from the graduated tax. Well, you know the graduated tax. I, I just believe that if we if it does pass, you're going to see within a few years afterwards continuing adjustments on the rates because the high wealth earners, the ones in which the governor is claiming that most of the revenue will come from, will leave. Plain and simple. So there is an opportunity to negotiate this budget. The Democrats just have to open the door to us and talk to us about what we can do to find a way to balance the budget with no new taxes or any new any tax increases. Very quickly. did it last year. Very quickly. Like, I got, it seems like an easy... Yeah. Very quickly, I want to switch subjects. Something I talked to you, something for a story that uh, should be in Monday's Tribune, uh, the commutation of Rod Blagojevich by Donald Trump. Yes. Uh, what does that mean for Republicans in this state who are, like you just sounded, the alarm about Democrats that are under these federal investigations? It is a distraction. It is a distraction for the president to say that, um, well... He served enough of his sentence. Um, I, I really, I, I was there for the impeachment. I know what he was convicted of, and I know what the courts at every level said about the veracity of the convictions, specifically shaking down Children's Memorial Hospital, shaking down a racetrack owner. It was very clear. There are more deserving men and women in the Bureau of Prisons who don't have the celebrity of Rod Blagojevich who have heavy sentences. Probably a lot of it may be for white collar or nonviolent crimes that do not get the sympathy of this president. But I'm dealing with a, an election, election cycle where there clearly is a uh, there's a lot of warts on the Democrats chins in Illinois. Because of the investigations, you have two Democrats who are currently three Democrats, two senators and one in the House who've been indicted for for charges related to corruption. And I think it's wide open after that. Leader, and there's more to come. Leader, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to hold you there. Thank you so much for joining me on the Sunday Spin. I appreciate it, and I'm sure we'll have you back. And uh, thank you so much for being my guest. We also uh, want to say thanks for listening this evening. And you can be sure that Rod Blagojevich will never be a guest on the Sunday Spin. So. <laughs> I, I think I think I've made that pretty clear in all of my social yeah, media. He needs to go away. He needs to just go away and enjoy his life and his family. It's, it's, enjoy his good luck. Second the motion. This is all WGN. Right. This is the Sunday Spin on 720 WGN. Once again, here's Rick Pearson of the Chicago Tribune. Welcome back to your Sunday Spin. Uh, I uh, I think I've made it pretty clear what my feelings are about Rod Blagojevich and... Uh, the fact that I understand now he'll be a guest on The View. Uh, I appreciate uh, what uh, Anderson Cooper did in his interview with Rod Blagojevich. And uh, basically, uh, in in not so many words, uh, calling BS on the former governor and his uh, alternative world that he seems to live in. 
this is, I say this after having covered this administration. Uh, I say this after having listened to the excuses. Uh, I say this as when you look at a man who just spent eight years in prison, and the first thing he does when he gets out is to uh, plan a series of press conferences, uh, not having... Uh, not having understood the crimes that he committed and instead proclaiming his innocence. Uh, it, it, is a, it is a different world that Rod Blagojevich lives in. Uh, it always has been. He lost a critical vote overwhelmingly in the Illinois House, and he declared it uh, an up day, an up day. It's kind of like that bizarro world in the Superman comic book sometimes. But uh, that's Rod Blagojevich's life, and he now has his life out of prison. We'll see where that leads. Thank you for listening to the Sunday Spin. Thank you to my guest, Jim Durkin, the Illinois House Republican leader. We'll have a full show next week.